0: Well, as I've stated before, we do our best here to be known as a church that is full of truth and full of love. You know, sometimes telling the truth doesn't seem loving, but ultimately there is no love without truth. And so we're compelled to speak the truth even when it's hard to hear. And that means, as the Bible would teach, that we preach the Word of God in season and out of season. We commit to speaking the truth when people want to hear it and when people don't want to hear it. I find myself this morning compelled to teach some truth, compelled to share some information with you that I failed to share with you last week in the sermon. As you may recall at the beginning of last week's message, I shared with you several of my favorite apps that are stored on my iPhone, and I talked about what they did and how useful they are and and how much I like to use them. But what I didn't tell you is that there are uh, also apps on my phone that are great apps, Uh, Apps that would be extremely beneficial for me, and yet they're apps that I just don't seem to use. For instance, a couple of years ago, I was determined to lose a bunch of weight and to begin exercising on a regular basis. Uh, I was determined to get into shape, and so I researched, and then I installed an app on my phone called My Fitness Pal. Now MyFitnessPal is a great app, it's a popular app. I mean it has everything you could possibly need to start and maintain an effective fitness routine. It gives you all the right information, personalized training schedules, there are daily workout routines, there are diet and hydration plans from nutritionists. This app has all of the information you need to lose weight, to exercise right, and to get into shape. And yet here I am a couple of years later, still overweight and out of shape. So what was the problem? Well, my problem wasn't an information problem. My problem was an application problem, right? I mean, I had all the right information, but unless you put it into practice, there's really no point in the app. The app is called an app because it's meant to be applied. And if all you do is study it and learn from it, then it misses the point. And so what we're doing as we study the Word of God in the book of Proverbs is that we are being reminded. Uh, We are learning that the Word of God is not just information that we learn from, but rather it's an application that changes us. And should we approach the Word of God as if it were nothing more than a textbook or a subject to study, we totally miss the point. But rather we study God's word and we apply it to our lives and we are changed by it. And the book of Proverbs very beautifully shows the truth of God's word and when it intersects with our and how it intersects with our life. So this wisdom that we are studying is meant to be applied. As a church, we've committed to going through the book of Proverbs together. The challenge for you is that each day throughout this series you read the corresponding chapter from the book of Proverbs. And so for May 9th, you read chapter 9. For May 10th, you read chapter 10. And if you're not doing that yet, we would love to encourage you to jump in and do it with us, either on your own or as a family. But we're going through Proverbs and we're just seeing how God's wisdom makes so much sense for today. It shows us the best way to live. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Proverbs this morning. Again, if you turn towards the center of your Bible and go to the right just a bit, uh, you'll probably hit the book of Proverbs. And we're going to be studying Proverbs chapter 31 today. Uh, Proverbs 31 is the last chapter in the book of Proverbs. We're jumping to the end of it today because it has a special relevance for us on this Mother's Day. In the Proverbs chapter 31, as you'll see, is, uh, lists the characteristics, the, the qualities of a godly wife and mother. It honors godly women. And so we want to study this on this Mother's Day weekend. So what we want to do is, as we study Proverbs 31, is we want to honor moms by holding up the ideal. But as we do so, we want to do so gently, understanding that in one degree or another, everyone who is listening to this today has a little bit of disillusionment in this area. I mean, it's consistent with Scripture. I mean, if you study Scripture, you'll find Ruth, who is childless, and Hannah, who struggled with infertility. You'll find Eve, the first mother listed in the Bible, who lost a child through horrible circumstances. And some of you know the pain of that. And Mother's Day is painful because you're remembering a child that you lost. And so we want to honor mothers, but we want to do so with gentleness. Uh, We want to do so with understanding. And I know that for many moms this day, uh, this day is kind of a reminder of how tired they are, how exhausted they feel, and they're really not sure where they're going to find the strength to do it again for another year. Maybe you've got a special needs child and you've just found that it's taken everything that you have and you just don't feel like there's much left. And so I pray that you will be strengthened today and encouraged today as we study Proverbs 31 and as we study this godly woman. What many of you know, though, who have been around the church for a while, you know, a lot of you church ladies, you know that Proverbs 31 isn't always the most encouraging, right? Right? Some of you really don't like Proverbs, this, this Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, you don't care for her very much because she reminds you of, you know, like a stepward wife. A stepford wife meets Denise Austin meets Martha Stewart meets Oprah Winfrey. And it just seems to add more pressure and it seems to add more stress. And you're doing everything you can and you're already worn out. And then you read Proverbs 31 and instead of being encouraged, it's discouraging. Well, the problem is that when we read this text in Proverbs 31, uh, we don't understand the genre of literature that it belongs to. Oftentimes, this text of Proverbs 31 is read, or, or it's taught as, if it's a kind of a memo. You know, a memo that is being circulated around the office saying, here are all the things you need to do. Here are all the things that you need to change. And, and that's not very in, uh, encouraging. Or it's read as a job description, that if you want to be a godly mother, then make sure you do all of these things described to you. It's read as a, as a report card by clueless husbands, right, who, who read Proverbs 31, and they, they somehow think it's their job to give their wives a passing or failing grade. That's so, JV, uh, that's not going to work for you. But that's how a lot of husbands approach it. Uh, They'll read it and they think, well, she matches up here, but she doesn't match up here. And so oftentimes we read Proverbs 31 and the unintended message that we send to mothers and to wives is this, yeah, you're just not cutting it. Better luck next year. Well, that's not the intent of this. Instead, this passage, uh, and this is important, this passage is to be read As poetry I mean that's what it is it's poetry and the best way to understand the intent of Proverbs 31 is you know in fact is to read it as a kind of a Mother's Day card when you get a Mother's Day card that card brings out the best in you it honors you by saying here is what's appreciated here is what's valued Mother's Day cards don't give honest assessments of how you're doing right I mean, it's meant to bring out the best and to honor what is going well. And that's what's happening here in Proverbs 31. It's meant to honor, to value, to esteem godly women. Now, here's what we know by way of background. Solomon didn't write this chapter of Proverbs. Solomon's more of an editor here, and he includes this as the closing chapter of Proverbs. It's credited to a guy by the name of Lemuel. Lemuel. Now, we don't really know much about Lemuel, but he's the one who's credited as writing this. But in fact, if you read about this, it was his mother who taught this poem, who taught this poetry to him as a child. And so isn't, it, you know, isn't this interesting that, that this passage uh, that's, that's so often read as a job description, uh, as a memo, uh, by you know a, a man who doesn't get it who 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 doesn't get it was actually the words of a Jewish mother who was teaching her son a poem so that her son would know what to look for in a woman. And so these are the words of a mother to a son saying this is what you should value. This is what you should honor. These are the characteristics that you should esteem in a woman. And it's written as an acrostic Do you remember what an acrostic is? Uh, This one is written using the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And so you've got the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and each letter is represented in each verse. Uh, Each letter represented in each verse gives a corresponding praiseworthy characteristic or value of a godly woman. And so I would encourage some of you to to do this on this Mother's Day to maybe come up with an acrostic. For some of you it won't work, so don't try it. It'll just come off wrong. But even if it feels a little bit cheesy, maybe come up with an acrostic of just, you know, pulling out the attributes that, that you value in your mother or in your wife. Now don't use the Hebrew alphabet. That'll make it too much of a challenge for you. Go ahead and use the English alphabet. There are 26 letters in our alphabet, but you don't have to use them all. I mean, don't end with the letter Z, right? Because you don't want to end with Zippy. <laughs> that's not going uh, to close the way that you want it to. And you don't have to use the letter X. But just go through and, and choose some of these letters. And I think that that is a great thing to do for our wives and for our mothers to honor them. Uh, Maybe that's an idea for something for you to do today. But when you do that, you are going to bring out what's beautiful, right? It's not the opposite. You don't say A is for your attitude problem early in the morning, right? Uh, You don't say B is for the boxes that you still haven't put away from our move five years ago. C is for the cat that you ran over when I was a kid. You don't bring out the negative. You you value. uh, You honor the positive. And that's that's what's happening here as this mother teaches her son, here is what is valuable. And in verse 10, it says that this woman, uh, she is describing that this woman is more valuable than rubies. Other translations say diamonds or pearls. The Septuagint translates it literally as Precious stones. And so the idea is that this woman being described is more valuable than anything that this world says is of value. And so we honor mothers with this passage. This passage is not meant to be ammunition against them. It's meant to be a bouquet of flowers that are gathered and given as a gift honoring the godly woman, uh, the godly wife and mother. And what we want to do is we want to hold up some of these pearls. We want to hold them up and we want to say this is of value. Uh, This will teach husbands and it will teach children. This is what you should honor in your wives and mothers. But also as we study this, it's a message to our daughters. Uh, This is what real beauty looks like. It's a message to our sons. This is what you should value in a woman. And so what I want us to do is just look at some of these pearls of the godly woman in Proverbs chapter 31. Because there are a lot of imitation pearls out there. Uh, I've got here on the screen a picture of, of, of a genuine and an imitation white pearl side by side. Now at first glance, if you had to choose which one was genuine and which one was imitation, it would be difficult to do. In fact, what's interesting is that the real pearl is not as perfect as the fake pearl. The real pearl is not completely rounded. It's not as smooth. And so it's easy to confuse these. It's easy to think that the imitation pearls are the genuine pearls and that the genuine pearls are not worth keeping. And what I want us to do is to compare what the Bible says about women. The genuine pearl to a lot of what I want to compare that to what a lot of the culture says about women so that we can identify what is of true value and what is of true worth and what should truly be honored recently I stood in front of a magazine rack and I just took notes on the different women's magazines on display there there are a lot of women's magazines as it turns out and I just wrote down a number of the headlines in these magazines headlines like 329 Beauty Secrets. Uh, There was a headline, Bombshell Glamour. There was a a headline that said, Flat Abs in Six Minutes. Uh, There was another headline that said, Get Summer Sexy in Seven Steps, or Age-Defying Secrets, or Cosmo Cover Hair. Uh, There was another title that said, Flaunt Your Best Feature. 17 magazine said look hot in a bikini and you just go through these different magazines and what you find is that our culture values things in women it says this is how women's worth is defined but it's very different from what the Bible would teach and so let's compare these for just a few moments together today and as we look at Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman, and we compare her to the Cosmo woman, one challenge for us is to value spiritual depth over physical beauty. You know, if you read through those magazines, there is just an absolute obsession with the outward appearance uh, on youth. Uh, the pictures that are on the front and the articles that are inside all communicate that. They communicate this is how a woman's worth is determined this is how she's appraised this is how her value is decided and as a result what you have is many young women uh, many women in America feeling this tremendous pressure to look a certain way and they begin to think that their value and their worth is based upon what they see in the mirror each day and so our cosmetics industry in America is a 49 billion dollar industry It's one of the few industries that is considered to be recession proof. Why is that? Well, it's because we've said this is what matters. This is what's important. This is what brings value. So, young men are taught if you rate a woman, you rate her based upon what she looks like on the outside. And it objectifies women. Now, don't get me wrong i 'm not against cosmetics, right? Uh, when we lived in Tennessee, I was taught the the old Tennessee proverb, "If the barn needs painting, you paint the barn that 's the Tennessee proverb that I was taught and so you know i 'm not against cosmetics. I think we should do our best with what God has given us, and there 's nothing wrong with wanting to be attractive. The problem is. The problem is that uh, that's how we've begun to ascribe worth and value. And so much of what the culture says is of value, and so much of the outside that is held up as worthy, it's not even real. It's imitation. It's designed so that women in America are never really content with how they look. If tomorrow morning every woman woke up and liked what they saw in the mirror, our entire economy would collapse. Uh, That is what would happen. And So just understand that we are being fed this gospel that says, this is where value is. This is where worth is found. But Proverbs 31, the book of Proverbs speaks differently of a woman's value and worth. Proverbs 31 doesn't give us a physical description of this woman. Instead, Proverbs 31 verse 30 reminds us that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. It doesn't last. This mother writing to her son would say, if you're going to find a wife based on physical appearance and outward beauty, understand that that value is a depreciating value that it doesn't last. It's fleeting. And that charm is deceptive. This outward beauty can make you think there's something beautiful on the inside, when in fact, there may not be. So be careful with this. Don't ascribe too much worth and value to it, she would say. In First Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 3 and 4, uh, Peter reminds women when he says this, he says, your beauty... Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes." He doesn't say, he doesn't say there is anything wrong with that, mind you. Uh, he says that, that it's not wise, that it's not where your beauty should come from. He goes on and says, rather, it should be that of your inner self the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. God says, this is really valuable. This is really valuable. Proverbs 31 does speak a a little bit of what what a woman wears. In in verse 22, uh, it says that she is clothed in fine linen and purple. And so she cares about how she looks. Uh, She wants to be attractive. But that's not what defines her. It's not how her value is determined. Verse 25 speaks a little bit more about what she wears, but the focus is not on fashion. Listen to what this mother would say to her son. Uh, She is clothed in strength, with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Literally it's this, strength is wrapped around her. She is described as a strong and capable woman with a joyful heart that she can laugh at the days to come. And, And I love that description. I mean, if you had had a mom or if you have a mom who is optimistic and and joyful, then you value that in her today. Because too often there is this tone of criticism and negativity and complaining. And yet this woman is described as a woman who has this joy and it sets the tone for the whole house. Uh, Some of you know that. Uh, there's, there's an old uh, Iowa proverb that you maybe have heard that says, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You know that Iowa proverb? And there's a lot of truth to that. That in large part, moms are, are the thermostat that sets the temperature for the home. And if there's negativity and criticism, if there's this tone of harsh words, then it's cold. But if it's gentle and kind and encouraging, then it's a place of warmth, a place of peace and joy. Verse 26 says, She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. And so she's not someone who is just pleasant to look at, but impossible to carry on a conversation with. No, when she speaks, she speaks wisdom. And so we value a spiritual depth over physical beauty. And then as we compare Proverbs 31, this Proverbs 31 woman to the cosmopolitan woman, a second challenge for us is to value the fear of the Lord over the praise of people. Look at verse 30 again in your Bibles. It says that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but... And what does it say there? It says, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A woman who lives for the audience of one. A woman who is living her life for God, not for the praise of people. You know, I think there's a tendency, and this is true for all of us, uh, certainly not just uh, women or mothers and wives, but there is a tendency to evaluate how, how well we're doing by comparing ourselves to others. And so for many women, th- their homes and their husbands and their children and, and their careers, they can become kind of accessories to the outfits. You know, they want to make sure they look right and, and, and then they look good to other people. But it's a much different story when people aren't watching them. But when we compare ourselves with one another, it always leads to wrong conclusions. For women, it adds a lot of pressure. I mean, a lot of pressure when they compare themselves to others, and also a lot of insecurity. Here's what women will do. And I'm not just making this up, I've talked to actual women. But women will oftentimes compare themselves to people in their lives. And when they do, they compare themselves to the best attribute, the best characteristic of these different people. And so women will look at one, you know, women will look at one of her friends, one of her girlfriends who is especially organized. And, and she'll say, well, if I could just be organized that way or she'll look at another friend who is really disciplined and takes good care of herself and and the woman will say well if I could just you know if I could just look that way if I could take care of myself that way or they'll look at another friend who is uh, you know especially laid-back and patient and just fun-loving and they'll think you know what if I could be that way with my kids Uh, They'll look at another friend who's a great decorator, who's really successful, and they'll think, well, you know what, if I I could just be that way, and they'll compare themselves to, to kind of the best attributes or characteristics in the people around them. And that leads to lots of pressure because there is competition. They're comparing. It leads to pressure. It leads to insecurity. Now guys, we don't understand this, and here's why. We do the opposite, really. We compare ourselves, but instead of comparing ourselves to the best characteristic, we find the worst in our friends. And then we think, well, you know what? I'm doing pretty well, really. And so I look at my buddy and I say, well, he doesn't take his wife out on a date ever. And I take my wife out, you know, every, uh, every month or so. I'm doing pretty well or another person might look at a friend and say you know what he's kind of let himself go but I work out every day and so we look at ourselves and we compare ourselves by choosing a lower characteristic or quality and what does that lead to well that leads to pride and it leads to passivity because we think that we're doing pretty well really and so women will compare themselves to other women not all the time, but oftentimes, and it leads to pressure and insecurity. Men compare themselves to other men, and that leads to pride and passivity. Well, the solution here is that we don't compare ourselves. We are not living life as if it were a competition. Instead, we're living for the glory of God. We're living out of a fear of the Lord, and we're honoring Him with our lives. There are a number of women in Scripture who compare themselves and, and it just doesn't work. You know, We see Leah comparing herself with her sister Rachel and her beauty and Leah can't find any joy. Or we see Sarah comparing herself to Hagar and Sarah becomes bitter and she becomes angry because she can't conceive a child and Hagar can. And when we compare ourselves with others it just leads to wrong conclusions. And so this mother is holding up a woman who is not caught up in the drama of keeping up with other women in, the, in her world. Instead, she's living her life to honor God, living her life out of a fear of the Lord. And then there is a third uh, challenge we see as we compare the Proverbs 31 woman with the Cosmo woman, and that is to value serving over self to value others over self. If you read through Proverbs 31, there's a significant amount of real estate in this poetry that shines a light on this woman's hard work. Uh, What she does for others, how she sacrifices her time and her energy for her family. Uh, If you look at verse 15, verse 15 says, She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. And so, before the day begins, before anyone else is out of bed, while she would rather be sleeping, she gets up and she, she begins to go about the work of the day, preparing the day for everyone. And if you read through this chapter, she's described as an economist, as an organizer, an investor, a planner, an administrator. I mean, this is a very capable and strong woman. Now I can hear some of the ladies when they read this thinking, you know what, Uh, this is what I was afraid of. I mean, great. You know, now my husband and now my children don't think I'm a godly woman if I don't get up before the sun rises. That's not the point, right? This is poetry. It's an expression of the deeper truth that a woman who works hard and manages well should be valued and should be honored. Besides, this was written in a time and a place where there was no electricity. And so the family bedtime would be probably like 7 o'clock. When the sun would set, they would go to bed. You know, if we all went to bed at 7 o'clock, you'd be up, you'd probably get up before the sun rises too. It, It was a different situation. But the point is that she works hard and she manages well and she is strong and she is capable Verse 21 says, when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. And so the children are not worried about the fact that when it gets cold, they won't have warm clothes to wear. I mean, she's thought of the things that, you know, she's thought of things that the husband has probably not even crossed his mind, right? Uh, she, she is already prepared and i'm amazed at how quickly things fall apart you know when my wife goes out of town uh, it, it's staggering really and, and i would encourage some of you men in fact in fact i would i would encourage all of you husbands find some time this next year to send your wife away for 4 days for some rest and relaxation finally some women are taking some notes here uh, probably this is great And you know if you don't get anything else say i say get this send her away for some rest and relaxation now don't do it for more than four days (laughs) that just isn't wise i've learned this the hard way so so learn from me four days is probably what you want to shoot for i mean i'm a fairly optimistic person so on day one i feel pretty good i'm like yeah i got this i'm doing just fine and by day three all hope is lost. The house is a wreck. I'm hungry. The animals are hungry. Clothes haven't been washed. Uh, and, and I've entered into uh, you know this survival mentality. And all I want to do is survive. And I try to communicate this to the animals. Look, we're in survival mode here. If we're all living when she returns, mission accomplished. And you start to realize how much you take for granted and how much service takes place behind the scenes that isn't appreciated and gratitude isn't expressed. Verse 16 says, She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Another translation says, She searches Craigslist for the best deal. She makes a purchase and she sells it for a profit on eBay. That's my version of it. Uh, That's the description we have here, basically. It's of this woman who was very capable. It doesn't say her her husband bought the field. It says she bought the field. And verse 17 says she sets about her work vigorously. Her, Her arms, here's the word again, her arms are strong for her tasks and so what you're hearing is a mother described uh, a mother describing a woman to her son who can be trusted in verse 11 it says her husband trusts her completely when a mom or a wife cannot be trusted huge huge deal big problem when a mother or wife can be trusted more often than not it's overlooked and undervalued And I was convicted of this this week as I studied how much I just take this for granted. I mean, I trust my wife. She walks in the door and she's carrying bags from the store, and it doesn't cross my mind did she buy something that she shouldn't have? Did she spend more money than it was worth? No, I trust her. She is going to do better than I do with that stuff. When our kids were still living at home, it never crossed my mind, are the kids going to have food to eat, right? I mean, she takes care of so many things that I don't even think about. It never crosses my mind while I'm at work, is my wife taking care of things that she should be taking care of? Do I need to check on her? No, not at all. I trust her wisdom and I trust her completely. And some of you husbands who have never trusted your wives, and and you've been controlling, I mean, you've controlled the money, and you've controlled the time, and you've controlled the schedule. Let me tell you how often it works, how it often works. Your wife will live up or live down to the level of trust that you have in her. And the more that you can express trust and the more that you can convey that you have confidence in her strength and in her wisdom, she more likely, the more likely she is to rise to that level. But the opposite is also true. And so this woman is described as someone who can be trusted. Verse 20 says, she opens her arms to the poor. She extends her hands to the needy. And so there is this compassion for the hurting. There is this desire to help others. Now, as you read through this, what you find is that it just stands in stark contrast to those magazines on that magazine rack. Stark contrast. Because these, uh, you know, those magazines are all about putting yourself first. In fact, one of the magazines, a magazine entitled Self, that's the name of it, they just go ahead and Put it all out there. It's all about making yourself the center of your world. Making sure that your needs are taken care of. Making sure that, y- that you're going to be happy. And so what we have... Uh, what we have is that when we compare the woman of our culture, this, this Cosmo woman, to the woman of Proverbs 31, we have two different gospels. One gospel says it's all about you and, and you be the center and make sure that your needs are met and your needs are taken care of. And we see this reflected in, in TV shows, uh, shows like Real Housewives, you know, those reality shows. It's me first. But the Gospel of Proverbs 31 is reflected in Luke chapter 9 where Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then you have to die to yourself and take up your cross. You follow me. Which gospel will we choose is the question. There's an interesting paradox. Uh, When we choose the gospel of our culture, when we say, I'm going to put myself first, We think that that will lead to happiness and joy and to pleasure. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. Instead, it leads to frustration. You're lethargic. Uh, You're not motivated. You're not passionate. But when we live the gospel of Christ, we follow Him, we die to ourselves, we serve others, it is life-giving. It's energizing. Jesus says in Luke chapter 9 that if you want to save your life, you give it up. And that's what we see in Proverbs 31. I mean, here is a woman who puts others first. She lives by a different gospel than the culture. And if you look at, at verse 28, her husband, it says a word to husband sent to children here. It says, her children stand and bless her, and her husband praises her, and that's what we want to do. We want to honor and we want to praise the mothers, the wives in our lives for their hard work and their value. Now listen, what I know is that in the group of people who are, who are listening to this today, who are watching this today, uh, you read through Proverbs 31 and it's full of wisdom. It helps us realize what we need to do. But do you know what else? It also shows us where we've got it wrong. It shows us how we've messed up. Now, it's certainly not just for wives and mothers, but for us husbands and for children. I mean, absolutely so. And so really what Proverbs does is, it doesn't just give us wisdom about how we should live, but it points to a Savior. It reminds us that we need help that we can't do this on our own, that really the application that makes all the difference is Jesus, because He is the one who saves, and He is the one who redeems. He is the one who restores and who rebuilds. And So no matter where you're at in this, my prayer is that you would turn to Him for strength. You would turn to Him for grace and for forgiveness, that your joy would be found in Him. Because because all this advice, as great as it is, I mean, you can work at it, you can put all of your effort into it, you can even treat this poetry like a checklist if you want to, and you're going to fall short. You're going to fall short. What we need is a Savior and the Holy Spirit to just strengthen us. So don't go away today feeling weighed down and burdened by all the pressure, all the things you haven't done right, and all the things you need to be doing right. Instead, go away from this today allowing Jesus to lift that weight off your shoulders, to take that off of your family, and with commitment to follow him and to find strength in him. Would you pray together with me? today as we close our message God we thank you for helping us to have eyes to see what is truly valuable and what is uh, truly of worth would you allow us to see women especially the way that you see them as your daughters that you love who you have created and God would you allow us to praise and to honor and to esteem them today what you said is valuable what you have said is worthy God, the truth is, every one of us need your help. We all need your grace on this journey. I mean, we'd like to think that we're running, but most of us are just barely walking. And so, God, we ask you for that today. We turn to you, understanding that we need you and that we can't do this on our own. Thank you, God, for our church family, where we're on this journey together. We learn from one another. We help each other along the way. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.